What's up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite Sunday podcast, Scales and Tales, episode 31 today, which is also start of the season two of the show. That doesn't really mean anything. It just means that when you go look it up, it'll say season one, season two. So this will be the first episode of season two, but or no, first, yeah, first episode of season two, but episode 31 uh, altogether. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Trey Smith, who uh, who's a guy that you're probably pretty familiar with if you're in Sunday universe. Um we're gonna pick his brain a little bit on on the fishing he's doing, and and uh, probably probably touch on some universe stuff too, since that's kind of it's kind of what he does. So I'll let Trey introduce himself, and we'll we'll get going from there. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. First off, uh, I like you said, most of the guys, if you're on Universe, you probably have heard from me before. I just help run the page here and there, and. Uh, other than that, I'm usually fishing or taking care of my kids. That's about it. Yeah. So I guess uh, how how long have you been on on Universe? Like when when did you get the moderator admin status? How long has it been? It, it hasn't uh, been too long, has it? No, actually. Um, I think it was in February. I want to say like this first or second. It was early in February. Uh, that me and Wayne had been we had already been kind of talking the past year. I think he's just kind of feeling it out. It's not like a huge deal, but, you know, you don't want someone on there that's going to, I guess, do something crazy or, you know, it makes a bad name for the whole place just off of one guy. Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, sure. it was around February, but I joined the page from leaving Swimbait Badlands um, and hopped on there around 2016, 2017, I think. Okay, so how did you, how did you figure out Swimbait Badlands? Like, how, I guess, <laughs> core root of everything, how did you get into fishing and then more necessary how'd you get into bass fishing and then we'll go from there okay uh yeah um uh, probably like most other guys i started fishing just with my you know my dad or my grandfather um bluegill mainly you know crappie my grandfather and my dad are both really big crappie fishermen fish some of the usa bass and or i guess usa crappie tournaments and uh but it seemed like every time i went out we always had this little local uh private lake that we could fish at a uh, family friend and it, it was like every time I'd catch a bass, it was like just way more intriguing to me, you know, <clears throat> and fishing with my dad or my, my grandfather, you know, they weren't bass fishermen and honestly often didn't keep bass. So I didn't really get to do it. You know, I was like, man, I really want to keep this. I want to keep fishing for those. But, you know, we were really fishing with like a 16th ounce jig head with like a, you know, a little smoked curly tail or white grub tail, you know, something like that. And then, uh, fished my whole life. Uh, just continuing to do that, you know, bass fishing here and there. But I didn't really get steady into it until probably my seventh grade year or so, middle school, first year of middle school. Uh, I bought myself a bait caster, uh, an Abu Garcia Black Max and a Silver Max and just started teaching myself. And I almost gave up and I'm glad I didn't. But uh, that's really where it grew from there. I fished pretty heavy through high school. We didn't have a high school team. They made it like the year after I left. It was pretty upsetting. I feel like, I feel like though my life would have been a lot different. I would probably would have tried to at least go somewhere. I don't know that I'm probably not that good to go to a college, but I would have tried to fish on a college team, but I uh, didn't. I fished heavy through high school and bass fishing. Picked it up really serious junior and senior year when I actually had some money, and uh, then I went off to the military. Did that, and uh, through that, like my last two years of the military, probably the last three or four actually, is when I started dabbling in swim baits. I came across Badlands, honestly, I don't remember. I think my first bait. Oh, sorry. I hit my mute. No, no, you're good. You're good. 
Uh, but my first bait was like an H2O Express, like the baby bass, like multi-joint, the little cheap ones, like five bucks. And I caught like a, just a, I mean, a dink of a dink for swim baits, you know, just a little 12 incher. But the way that fish hit it at the time for me was just insane. You know, it come out of a, like a little weed line next to a lay down and smoked it. And, uh, from there it just got worse. You know, I found Badlands and started buying baits and I was on and off with them. You know, I think most guys, even the some won't admit it, I feel like, but a lot of guys, you know, it's intimidating to go from a Texas rig to, I don't know, a Depths 250. That's probably a little big for starter. But even the Savage Gear, Shine Glide, the, uh, what is it, the 185, I think is the bigger one. Yeah, yep. Uh, stuff like that. I got into those, and uh, it just grew from there. And like I said, Badlands ended, and I went over to Universe. And from there, pretty much since 2017... Unless I'm in a tournament, I'm pretty much exclusively swim baits. I'll definitely have like a bigger, you know, conventional stuff on. Like I heard uh, Bo was on here about it the other day talking about it. But it's usually conventional, like big fish stuff, like big jigs, uh, maybe a, a real big worm, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, basically out of, outside of tournament fishing, I'm pretty much only swim baits. It's just, uh, it doesn't do it for me anymore, I don't think. You know, catching them on conventional is fun. But I think a five pounder on a glide bait is way cooler than a five pounder on, you know, a trick worm or a spinner bait. And that's not, you know, <laughs> knocking that. I love that too, but it just doesn't do it for me. You know, I think that's most guys that are throwing swim baits too. Oh yeah, for sure. One thing I wanted to touch on, it's funny how you mentioned, uh, your, your senior year, I guess the year after your senior year, how your team started, a or how your school started a bass club. That's exactly, that's exactly how it was for me too. I like I more or less paved the way. Like I had, I made a slideshow. I presented it to the board of education or whoever, I don't even remember what it was. And then they're like, Oh yeah, we'll think about it. And I graduated. And the next year um, there was a newspaper article saying like, Oh, three local schools in the County starting a bass club. I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, are you serious? This couldn't happen like two <laughs> years ago. Like, Oh yep. my gosh. Yeah. And like I said, I, who, I probably wasn't even good enough. You know, I look back now at, Man, I was when I first really started. I had a Zebco 33s, two of them, because that's what my grandfather had, you know, my papa had, and like what I was yep. familiar with. And I didn't even know what a baitcaster was. I had 65 pound braid on them things, throwing frogs <laughs> on a seven footer, you know, just in a sun dolphin kayak that was on 200 bucks. And it's cool to see that, well, you know, I'm sure when I'm 35 and look back at myself at 26, I'll realize that I, I sucked then too, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's what it's, keeps people going though. Oh yeah, like to see the progress. I mean, that just that goes with anything, any hobby. You look back at it like six month period, and then you look back at it a year, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Like, <laughs> I I can't believe I let myself do this because it's so against the grain of what you what you've done in the last six months or like I said to a year. You, you people grow a lot more than I think anybody notices unless you look back on stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I mean, my Instagram has always been a big, like, just, I just like to post, you know, like, it's almost like a saving thing. Like, you know, now there's iCloud where you can get your pictures back or, you know, a, a computer set up to load your stuff onto. But that was kind of how I kept all my stuff. If I ever lost uh, my phone, which I've went back and kind of archived some stuff and whatnot, but it's cool to see like all these small fish I used to post, which, you know, I'm not out here catching 10 pounders every week, but it's cool to see the, the growth and see that like, you know what i do now versus what i used to be satisfied with yeah exactly instagram is 
a super well-kept time capsule. And I know a lot of guys, uh, Brian Speller, he, he used Facebook for that all the time. Like he'll share memories out of the blue and it'll be like nine years ago. And literally <laughs> all he captioned it was picture or upload or like just the date. So we knew like when these pictures were taken <laughs> and stuff. And yep. uh, I think that if Facebook was bigger or Facebook was even a thing like 20 years ago, like when OG Swimbait stuff would have started, I think, or just social media in general, it would be, we would not be sitting here and talking about it today because it would just be the normal thing. Like swim baiting would be a conventional, conventional yeah. thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, and honestly, it's probably a good thing that it wasn't like it's kept it, even though it's, you know, maybe bad for guys looking to grow in the industry itself, but it's, it's nice having a little niche corner in the fishing industry, you know, that you can go back to that hasn't been, you know, for the most part, it's untapped. I mean, a lot of it's now gotten out. Fishing has blown up since COVID and, I think, like you said, just in general, social media in the last even two, I mean, not two, but two to five years, I'd say, has gotten insane, where it's like, if you want something kept secret, then you better not tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's no and more days so- of the Depths 250 sitting around in Butch Brown's <laughs> boat for, you know, six months before anyone gets to see it or whatever. Yeah, it's so weird to to call it. I mean, it is an, a niche group, don't get me wrong, but it's so weird to call it that, and then you look at Swimbait Universe and it has 35,000 uh, followers mm-hmm. on that, on the page. You look at Underground and fuck, they have so many Instagram followers and there's so many. I mean, there's like 32,000 pages on their form of how many posts have been up there. And it's like, I don't know. It's so weird to think that it's considered niche to us yeah. beca- because it's not mainstream, like uh, like flipping or drop shotting or something. And it, yeah. It's going to be like real soon in the next four yeah. or five years, it's going to be that common thing. I don't think it's going to be something every, everybody does, but like, like I talked about on the Ron table episode, everybody's going to have an eight, like an eight Oh six in their rod locker relative to if that gets used as much as the stuff we do. I, I everybody's yeah. going to have one at some point in time. Exactly. And I already see that around here where it's like, and I'm for people who don't know, I didn't really mention it, I guess in the intro there, but I'm out of Western Kentucky. Um, I'm in a small town, but I'm just like probably an hour south of uh, the tip of Indiana. I'm probably 40 minutes from Ohio, the Ohio River. Um, and it's pretty well kept secret here. Like guys know about it. Like some guys do that are decently into bass fishing. But I mean, the classic like pulling up to the ramp and someone asking if you're fishing for sharks thing is still very, very real here. Like, <laughs> You know, there's just so many people that just haven't seen it due to, one, it's a small town, or two, they just, you know, social media, they don't have it on there. And like I said, it's still it's weird to us, but it still is a niche. It's a drop in the bucket in the fishing industry across, you know, all America in the, in the big picture. Yeah, I think it's almost that it's a really hard market to tap into. I mean... Mm-hmm. Even even as like a beginner swim baiter, like you have to you have to shell out some money to have like decent equipment for the stuff, and then it's like living living in Michigan, especially where I've lived. Um, it's not necessarily like big metro urban areas where where people are making a lot of money. Like people people around me uh, live paycheck to paycheck, and and half half mm-hmm. half of the month's paycheck goes into the goes into rent or mortgage or whatever. So it's not like they have funny money to to buy the fancy stuff and i mean even even like a, a beginner swim bait like even like a bullshad if you go buy a bullshad new off tackle warehouse it's 60 bucks and it's like yeah i could i could go buy four dozen shiners for 60 bucks and yeah or or 10 crankbaits you know yeah exactly it's it yeah. and i mean that's a lot yeah. of it too there's a, and i was the same way and like i said i don't know 
I feel like some guys don't want to talk about like that. Like their intro to swim baits is like, I just went for it in the first bite, just had me hooked. Like it was like that for me with that H2O Express, but I still found myself. I was almost like what you said people were going to be in the future. It's like I had, you know, nine conventional rods on the deck and then I had an 806 with, you know, a Savage Gear Shine Glide tied on or a S waiver and it would just get tossed, you know, 10 minutes of the day. So, and that's kind of what it is here. There's just not, I don't, there's just not the support system for it. Like, I, I know for a fact in my, I don't know, an hour's drive, I would say, I know like two people throwing swim baits that actually know swim bait. You know what I mean? Like, not aren't just have it tied on, sitting around the deck to make a cast on a laydown. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's not going to be like that here, like you said, in five, six years from now, I guarantee it. Stuff's getting pushed oh. into stores and marketing's a lot bigger and whatnot for it. And, you know, you got the YouTubers showing all the bites and whatnot, which is good for them. I'm all for that and growing the sport, but it's cool to have your own thing. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know. It's it's weird to look back on. Like, even if you look back on it five years ago, I mean, Swimbait Universe couldn't have had more than 20,000 people five years ago. Yeah. And you look at it now, and it's just like, <clears throat> holy shit. Like, when, when uh, Universe, <clears throat> it may have just been Facebook in a whole when it was all fucked up and like it all it was showing was like posts from 2013, 2014, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but it's like you were seeing, you were seeing Caesar from toxic, like his intro stuff. Like he wasn't even, he wasn't even talking about selling it yet. He's just like, Oh, I made this bait. I mean, that's when like triple trouts were, were, were like the big bait. Like everybody was buying triple yep. trouts and stuff. And it was just, it, if you got to experience that, I mean, it happened for like a day or two, I think, but if mm-hmm. you got to experience that like blast from the past, you're like, Holy shit! It yeah. it's advancing way faster than than you could imagine. I, I I would say. I think so, and and honestly, at our group, like I said, well, I say ours, uh, swim, you know, swim at universe, like you said, sitting around thirty four, pushing thirty five thousand members. If you've seen the amount of requests that get denied, and it's not just you know because people want to be rude, but you know, with a group that big, you know, the mention of the wrong thing could have that whole thing shut down. And, uh, so we don't let anyone in, you know, unless you agree to the group rules and fill out the questions just to make sure it's not, you know, a bot or spam. And, uh, I would say, you know, a good percentage of those are, but there's a lot of guys that just request the group that get turned down that either come back or don't. I mean, if we let everyone in and and even if we kept out those bots, those for sure bots, I think it would be 50, 60,000. It's just, you, you should see the hundreds of requests that get approved and, you know, come in every day. It's that's crazy. It's, it's a full time job, and guys don't see that either, you know. Yeah, um, man, it's it's a good thing you guys keep out those those like knowing <laughs> bots because I know some people who would send them money. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm sure you've saw that other kid. I'm yeah. sure, I feel bad for him, but I mean, it was it couldn't be more obvious. I don't know how that person got in the group, but you know, when there's 40 <laughs> requests, maybe it gets slipped through. But you definitely got to be smart about it. PayPal, friends and family only. <laughs> unless you know them (laughs) yeah and oh my gosh i don't know like it's i don't buy and sell a whole bunch but the guys that who who have always who've always bought stuff or sold stuff to me it's always been not necessarily well-known people but they've been in the group for two years and they're super active and you just go through and and see stuff they've sold and and see who they've sold it sold it to and i'm like oh they've they sold it to xyz like i know that guy i'm good friends with him like i don't know yeah, I've, I've never gotten screwed over, but it's also because I'm cautious with what I do. I'm not just sending yeah. money F and F to anybody. 
And a lot of guys, like, and it's, I would say that for a lot of the starter people or younger crowd that are coming into the page, like, those are usually the guys getting burned. And I've been burnt, you know, once or twice before. Once was, like, you know, marketplace for a Calcutta or something. Like, I was outside of the group and then maybe once in the group. But, yeah, just being smart about it. And, I mean, it takes two seconds to look through their profile and see that they've sold stuff before and had good a good reputation around the group or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so fuck what was I going to say? Oh, uh, I wanted to touch on when you, when you got swim baits, it sounded like yours was a very individual thing. Like you bought a swim bait on your own. You weren't a part of mm-hmm. any of these groups and stuff. Was it kind of a shell shock to, to get this bait, catch a fish on it <clears throat> and then just do some poking around and you see that there were whole dedicated forms to, to this style of fishing was that weird to you because to me that was like i didn't even know what a swim bait was i randomly mm-hmm. just stumbled upon the group and i somehow got accepted into the group i don't know if i lied <laughs> on my questions or what but uh it was it was it was weird to see that guys were buying and selling these baits the price tag like i, I talk about it all the time but the intro like when you first get into it and you're like oh my gosh this guy just bought a bait for 125 dollars he's crazy mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so what was it like for you to not necessarily have experience, but you had, you had some swim baits previously, like the five, $12 H2O express baits yeah. and to see these guys selling stuff like this, where you're like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, why would I ever buy those? Or do you kind of understand what, what the reasoning for it was? Um, I, I think I had a mixture of that. Like it was the shell shock of the dollar amount at the time. And, and like I said, I was super young, like. I had no kids, no job. Basically, you know, I had a little side job basically when I first got into them. And to see that, you know, to see a $200 bait at the time when I got into it, the big stuff, like the high end, like swim baiting for a while kind of guys were throwing uh, LDC rods um, and, you know, different like conquests and stuff like that. And Hinkle was the big thing. Like Andrew was still really pumped, like, well, rarely pumping them out relative to what he is now. You know, he was really getting them out there and guys were getting them in their hands and, that was the thing. You couldn't touch a Hinkle for, you know, under 400 bucks. And then I've seen that lull go back down to a hundred or so, but off yeah, that I tangent. That. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really org- like just raw on my own, a lot of trial and error for me. Um, getting into them. Like you said, I had the couple of H2O express baits. I went to, um, the S waiver, like it's probably majority of guys go to when they first got into it and still one of my go-tos. Like I hate that guys say it's a beginner bait because that's a beginner in price. Sure. But performance, I mean, to me, it's right up there with them, you know, and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shell shock, but I did understand, like, I felt like, you know, they obviously work like, you know, you see the Hinkle price and I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous. I pay 10 bucks for a, you know, whatever top water and I can catch a six pounder. And then, but you scroll down, you see these guys that have been in it for six, seven, eight or more years and they're putting up constant fish over six, fish over seven, you know, all relative to their areas. But what really did it for me was. I had stumbled upon those baits and did my own thing, found swim bait badlands. And I'm not even sure I might've found it just like I typed in swim baits on Facebook search, you know, and that was the first thing to pop up because I was trying to learn more about it. And like fishing has always been the big obsession for me. And especially when I got into it serious in high school and I was like, you know, nerded out on it, wanting to know everything. And, um, you know, obviously wanting to research all the big names and big sticks, which you come to find out with years that there's a lot of people that are sticks that just don't post, you know, like, I mean, Butch Brown had his heyday and, uh, I mean, he still catches fish today, obviously, you know, shout out to Butch Brown. He's a good guy, but, uh, like putting up those huge racks of fish, you know, on the old school, uh, fish hooks that he had, you know, hanging out the side of a small boat. I was like, 
that's what I want to do. You know, and I've yet to obviously accomplish those feats. I don't think anyone will see that in a while. You know, they got Josh Jones and stuff like that out there doing it. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a big shell shock, but I think I had a grasp. I didn't, I didn't look at it and think that's, you know, it's stupid to spend that money. I, I just knew that like there was more to it, you know? And as I grew, like I said, it was really raw. I picked up some friends and learned from them. Obviously, like I got a great buddy um that me and him still fish i met him through swimbait universe he had joined like maybe a month or two before me actually and uh really uh really good fisherman i respect him a ton austin schrecker is his name by the way he's from out here in west kentucky shout out to austin um he's taken me to you know all the big water stuff he knows and and he was a big swimbait guy he was a bullshed guy i love the bullshed baits and obviously i do too and uh me and him kind of bounced off each other's stuff and learned from each other but yeah, I'd say the first five, four years or so was just me. Like, I mean, I, like I said, I was on a boat ramp one day trying to cast, you know, I was landlocked or in my kayak and, uh, didn't have my kayak that day. Cause I was trying to focus on learning to cast those swim baits and I bird nested really bad. I used to run straight braid and uh, I think, cause you know, I'm afraid of losing it. Like a lot of the newer guys. And, uh, I would like backlash so bad in birds nested. I couldn't pick it out. And I literally like sat the rod down and almost left the boat ramp with the whole setup there like i was so frustrated because like i said i taught myself how to cast a bait caster got on youtube looked up the i think it was kvd that taught me how you know on youtube setting me how to set up a bait caster and all that and then you know two three years later i was throwing swim baits i had been bass fishing you know through high school but it was a pretty quick jump i feel like you know what i mean because there was that law where i i shipped out and did boot camp that yada yada and i came back and when i got back it was like I fished really hard for like a year and I got burnt out on beating the banks and catching small fish. And that was, it was just killing me. Like I was like seeing all these local guys around me and I'm like, how are they, why are they catching such much bigger fish than me? And it wasn't that it was swim baits. It was just probably, you know, they were applying the tactics better and understood fishing more at the time. And I was looking for that avenue to like find the bigger fish. And I was tired of bank beating. I was tired of the small fish and I think it was Phoenix that was on here now. He's like, you know, it just doesn't do, do it for me, like conventional small fish or even big fish. That doesn't do it for me. So I was looking for that next thing. And that was it, you know, swim baits. And I think I honestly, I was to the point I would have got out of bass fishing if it wasn't for swim baits. And that's why now I'm still, you know, 98% swim baits unless it's a tournament or, you know, every now and then I'll throw a jig or a, a, a big worm on or something like that, you know, a cleanup bait or something to fish on a nighttime tournament or something like that. Yeah, it, uh, <clears throat> I, I definitely, those first couple times I went out and I fished, I would go out and fish for three or four hours and I wouldn't catch anything. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Like I could, I could go fish a drop shot and I could go catch 20 fish and I'd be happy. But mm-hmm. here I am, uh, trying to, trying to stick. I mean, at the time it was like a five inch bait, which I mean, isn't, isn't small, isn't big either, but it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Like I should just, I should just cut it out. But then uh, once, once you catch, once you catch those first couple fish, it's like, holy crap, like this is nothing like conventional fishing and, and guys can yeah. say whatever they want about it, but it's, it's so much different, dude. Like you mm-hmm. catch, you catch a five pounder on a drop shot. It's a lot of fun, but you catch a five pounder on a glide bait and it's like, holy shit. Like just that experience alone <laughs> is crazy, crazy to, to, to see, like if you can watch your fish eat, it makes it that much crazier. Yeah, yeah, and that's how, like, I used to be an only glide guy. Like, I mean, obviously, I owned a few swimmers and a few different softies, cranks, and all that, but I loved fishing a glide, and I fished it, you know, the way that 
a lot of guys do, which is up shallow where I can see the bait working like that right there was enough at the, you know, even now it is, I just want, I love watching a piece of, you know, a piece of art that functions like that. Like it really is, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that produce baits that I could just fish and watch the bait swim and have a good time learning baits and, and just seeing what they do. Like, Oh, if I twitch at this, you know, or half turn versus quarter turn, like, what does it do? Like, I'm like into just that, you know? And, uh, like I said, I, I do nerd out on the bass fishing stuff. Maybe not as much as like the technical side, like line and gear. Like obviously I do make it a point to research that stuff, but I just enjoy being out there, you know, and being on the water in general, which I think that's a lot of guys, especially when you're grinding for the one big fish, you kind of have to have that mindset of like, just enjoy the time, you know, enjoy learning the bait, yeah. enjoy being there around the fish and, and knowing that any, literally any cast could be that fish if you're putting it in the right place. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm the same exact way with you. Technical wise, it's like, I'm there, but I'm kind of lackadaisical. Like I'll yeah. replace my line like every, every three <laughs> weeks and, and guys will replace it every week. Like, like Marshall replaces line a stupid amount. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I should probably do that, <laughs> but it's, I don't think it's going to be the make or break aspect of it. Uh, relative yeah. to, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but uh, I'm pretty lazy when it comes comes to my stuff. Like, like oh, changing yeah. out hooks and stuff. I change. I, I'll change my hooks out at the end of the year. Um, I don't do it religiously. Like every every month or two. Uh, one thing I've gotten super super good at this last year is retying a lot because of where I'm fishing. Like I'll retie every twenty twenty five minutes um, yeah. because I've I've had that heartbreak of not <laughs> retying and and losing a fish or losing a bait and it's like son of a bitch i could have totally prevented that yeah yeah i've been on a uh talking about casting i've never really casted anything off i've casted off a huddleston uh 68 back when i was first starting and i casted it off like in a local pond basically i honestly took it pretty well like you said like man losing a 30 dollar lure i think at the time that's what it was around 30 bucks for that one i was like man i just stood there in disbelief you know on the dock like <laughs> how am i going to recover from this financially type thing and now it's like you know, I, t I cast it off a Hinkle Shad the other day. I was like, well, I better figure out something. I recovered it, actually. It was only about eight foot of water, but I definitely retie a lot more, but I can be bad. Like, I'm pretty lazy about line and whatnot, unless I'm on a bite, like, this last two weeks. I've been, like, you know, one, I was in a little online derby going on, and then two, when, on your, when you're on a bite like that, like, cast after cast, catching a fish, you don't know, like, hey, four-pounder, four-pounder, and then here comes a nine, you know, because we do have double digits in the local stuff i fish like not even big water like kentucky lake the, the stuff i'm fishing every day like what i won that tournament on was public you know a wma just a wildlife management area in kentucky and and there's 10 pounders in there but they're not they're not very often and uh you know when you when i hook into it i don't want to be the reason that i lost it was that my line wasn't good or my hook wasn't sharp so i do get more in tune with that when i'm actually on fish but man i'm so bad about coming off of you know, fishing for like five or six days and not catching any, going to work and then coming back, like same knot, same line wrapped around my rod, like, you know, all kinked up and curled up and just going out, you know, and doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's not like, I don't know, dude, I, I've never experienced anything bad from, from not changing line or anything, but I know if, if I didn't change my ways, it was going to happen really soon. So I just took initiative and, and did it, did it before anything catastrophic happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely makes you rethink once you cast off a bait. Like, after I cast it off that hinkle, I was like, 
when I, and actually it wasn't that I hadn't retied or that my line was bad, but I did a, um, I tied my knot and only passed it through the eye once. And Oof. really with, I don't know, that Hinkle's probably pushing eight ounces, I'd say something, something like that, seven or eight ounces, anything over like, like, I mean, even every lure, I, I go through the eye twice, but for the, those who don't, I would recommend it over three, like two ounces, like, <laughs> you know, after 30, 40 casts, like slinging it, like deep cast, you're, you're, you might cast it off. Or if you have what, a rub in the hook, you know, in the eyelet, it might come off. Yeah. What kind of knot are you tying? Um, it just depends, really. I've been on, I was on the Palomar knot for a while, and then I just went back to, I think it was the, I think I was been running the clinch knot, but like the double clinch, you know. And yeah, I think that's yeah. what I had tied on the Hinkle. That's what I've been throwing like the last, I'd say, two years was is the clinch, like, or what you know, mainly, and that's the main thing I've been tying, or whatever you want to call it. I guess people know it, the salmon knot. But I went through the eye twice when I, or once when I casted that hinkle off and that was my issue because it broke yeah. like at the knot. So I was able to look at the knot and see what was wrong. And it was, I'd pass it through once, you know, cause I was in a flurry. I just caught like a five eleven, and I was like, Oh, I got to get another. Yeah. I, I, at the beginning of this year, I started tying the San Diego jam mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But it's like, I don't trust myself to do this anymore. So I'm back to the clinch knot <laughs> too, because I'm like, I'd rather tie a knot I know. I've never had any problems with then then dick yep. around like with this with more or less a cool kid not especially the jam like jam is kind of kind of yeah. extra I think <laughs> yeah and the, I mean I, I've tied the San Diego a lot and I've tied the double too the double's really nice but like the clinch or the double clinch is pretty much the same thing I think it's minus like I, I can't remember the exact move but it, it's it's almost the same thing you know going through the islet twice wrapping around x amount of times and coming out your tag end or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and both those um, knots are really good. I think it's also like, I mean, there's also like, there's been science stuff about it, you know, the strength tests on them and stuff. But I think it's just tying the knot good, wetting your line, and not line burning. Like guys cinch their stuff down way too hard. I think, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> and, and getting it wet. Like uh, Jared Swindle, I watched a video on him like that. He's like, let the fish tighten the knot. Like obviously, don't leave it loose, but snug, or it's seated on that you know, the line tie there. And when you hook into that first right. fish or after a couple casts with a six ounce bait, it's going to seat everything, you know, when it's wet and everything else. So that's kind of a lot of guys. Might issue. Might have to try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I just, like I said, kind of cinch it down. I pull both ends, get it all nice and clean looking. And then I just go to casting and it, it'll seat itself, you know, and make everything nice and tight. A lot of guys pull it so hard trying to make, you know, thinking of it like a rope knot, like, oh, I'll just cinch this down and it won't come apart. Well, you know, floral, mono, all that stuff. Like you can burn it on its own oh, self yeah. just by over cinching. So I yeah, learned that from sure. him, and I, it's held true so far. It seems like it's helped a lot. Um, kind of, kind of rounding back to it. What, what's your bite been like for the last two weeks? And then uh, when you kind of talk about this, we'll we'll talk about Kentucky fishing as an overview. But what's it, what's it been okay. like? Obviously, don't get too in depth if it's gonna like burn your burn your bite right now. But yeah. just kind of touch on it a little bit if you if you want to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been on a pretty good bite this last two weeks, maybe a little more, um, which is crazy because the summer's always, you know, the dog days of summer tough for guys. But uh, yeah, I, I won't name any lakes. I don't think anybody would like take my spot. But like I said, these lakes are like anywhere from a pond. Like this WMA is literally a huge wildlife preserve with hundreds of, it might be you know, you can cast to the other side on the bank with a swim bait, which I don't fish those very often. What I'm fishing is a lot of the bigger lakes, like a lot of guys are on, and they're super pressured from 
the bobber and worm guy all the way to we host little 50 boat john boat tournaments out there on a i don't know i'd want to say it's probably 20 acre lake so it's very very pressured like it can be super tough i've went out there and seen guy you know the whole tournament it took eight pounds to win 13 pounds to win and there's 10 pounders in there it's just so insanely pressured like there's people there every day literally a weekday you go out there i went on there on friday there was four boats and it was 12 o'clock and that's uh, crazy dude yeah but uh yeah i won't i probably won't i won't name any lakes but the lakes i've been on um for this tournament and even the past two weeks like i said um it's all reclaimed coal mining ground so it's all like either strip pits or that they filled oh, in gosh. And there's a yeah. mixture of that and man-made stuff that's been there, you know, naturally for however many years. Um, but those bigger strip pit lakes have seemed to be the better ones for me as far as size. Um, you can definitely go out and the other ones and find some good quality. But uh, a lot of our fish, I guess, are starting to look at the fall transition. It's still pretty hot here. We haven't had that, like, consistent cold stretch, you know, to really get them moving and get the shad going shallow. Um but it's man, it's just been so crazy. Like, I guess I uh, so there's like the last, the main bite I've been on has been a soft bait, and it's crazy because I've struggled on soft baits since I've gotten into swim bait fishing. Like, sure, the mag draft, um, stuff like that, like stuff that stays up shallow, you're fishing it around cover, um, stuff like that. I've been good with like mag drafts used to be one of my just go tos. I haven't thrown it much this year. I need to, but uh, the burrito, the baca burrito. Um, which, you know, is from Gale at Burrito Baits, and they handed it over to Buka to make them more accessible. Um, I've probably went through, like, four of those, five of those in the last two weeks, like, destroying them, and wow. lost two. Yeah, I lost I lost the one I was on, which was the Pink Lemonade. Everyone already knows I'm probably on that bite because I've posted, like, six times in Universe looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> Buka's working on them, so if anyone's listening, he's said it. He said it out loud. <laughs> Patience. You know, they're coming at some point. But uh, yeah, I've been on a Baca bite. It's been pretty insane. And, and that also tips off to like, you know, I thought that bite was pink lemonade. Like that's got to be, the, it's got to have some chartreuse. And it's more, it just goes back to positioning. Like a spot I was fishing was a drop off off of a big flat right next to deep water. And that ledge off that flat led to another ditch. And that ditch runs up to shallow the shallows of this side of the lake that I was on. And there's like two or three laydowns inside of that. I'm fishing blind also. <laughs> the last two weeks, I sold my Lowrance and I'm getting a Garmin with LiveScope. So I sold the Lowrance, I bought the Garmin, and I'm just waiting on buying the LiveScope. Okay. So I've been fishing strictly off of memory. Like where I've graphed these lakes. I had that graph for like two years. Prior to that, I had like the rinky dink, like $100 hummingbird you know, <laughs> out of a John boat, like I just got from my uncle. Right. And so in the last two years, I've went on that Lawrence and graphed a ton of stuff, but now I'm just fishing off memory. So I, I found that spot and like first cast, it was like, got a bite on the drop, missed the hook set, threw back in there, lost to five. I estimate, you know, five, somewhere around there, four or five pounder. And then it was like, boom, like literally cast after cast for like an hour and a half, middle of the day, bluebird skies, no wind. 95 degrees like gopro is overheating by like 9 10 o'clock having to throw it in the cooler and uh yeah that's that's been my bite mainly it's been deep soft baits and uh i haven't sent it to you i'll have to send you a picture of it this last burrito i have it did all the work for me in this tournament but it is destroyed <laughs> and when they hit that thing man they hit it like a freight train and like you said that's what that's what gets addicting you pop it off some cover and you know 
that's how I was. It was like, come off the ledge. If I didn't get a bite there, it would land on a really nice hard bottom. I'm ticking it off the hard bottom at a steady pace. And then right as it would hit that brush pile or that lay down, it would get hung up. And I'd just kind of, you know, line pop it off or smack it with the rod a little, like jigging it off of there. As soon as it popped off, a couple, three, four hand turns or real turns real quick. And they just smoke it every time. Like it was every time for like the first six days. And, you know, obviously that kind of died off after I kept showing them the same bait. I tried to mix in some line throughs and some different soft baits, but man, they only wanted that, the burrito, which it is a, you know, very unique bait, I think too. Oh yeah, for sure. It's yeah. funny that you, you mentioned popping it, hopping it up stuff, uh, hopping it off stuff or getting snagged up and kind of popping it off. And yep. then kind of working it back like a jig almost because mm-hmm. that was that was my introduction more or less to to legitimate swim bait fishing. Uh, I had a hater and it was it was just a normal diver five six seven feet and I remember bouncing it uh, bouncing it off of uh, like there's this marina that I used to fish and they used to they had a bunch of sunken tires out there and I remember I, I'd reel over a tire I'd bump over the tire. Uh, keep reeling i'd be in the center of the tire it hit that inner lip and it bounced up and i'd let it float up mm-hmm. i'd count to maybe about two get two real cranks in and dude they just oh my gosh when a fish wants a swim bait and they damn near take the rod out of your hands it's yeah. it's just something that you, you you don't get conventional fishing like maybe chatter baits but it's it's a completely different animal than fishing a chatter bait either way yeah exactly it's like and that's I'm jealous of your introduction to swim baits because that, the soft bait bite, which I've just gotten new to it. Like, like I said, I've had a few others, you know, mag drafts, paddle shad here and there, citizen here and there, but like that, the consistent burrito bite, baka bite that I've been on is like, that is addicting. You know, like I go out there, um, I went out there one day and skunked. That was the only day. And it was like, there was a ton of people out there, a lot of boat traffic, um, super hot i kind of made it late because my bite's been starting around 12 to 1 ish and dying off by like anywhere from 4 30 to like 6 like by dusk like they're not biting anymore oh wow that's, that's yeah. kind of weird yeah it's it, and you know what's funny is um carlton who you've had on here before was asking about asking guys about what their bite's been like uh deep i think midday maybe is what he asked or what he what their bite had been and like me i think Bo hopped on there and a couple other guys and they're all like after 12 middle of the day like hot as heck all the way into like four to six o'clock, which I follow the moon stuff. I, I don't get too wrapped up in it. Like I'm going to go fish when I can fish. And also I've caught fish on days when it's like, everything's telling you, you don't, you aren't going to catch one or at least not a good one. Yeah. So I, you know, but I think it holds true. Like any, any time after the big moon phases swap, like new or full or whatever like that, like the days leading up to and after, especially if you have a big front or a big temperature change, which I guess is still a front, like anything like that. Um, has really helped and you know I, I think we're off the new moon right now or whatever and uh i talked to uh, actually talked to gail that's funny uh from burrito baits there just asking him a little bit about you know because he follows it so hard and he's one of those guys that like J- like jason carroll like nerding out on the oh, slides yeah. like he nerds out jason is or um gail is just so good like about line and techniques and i i really respect his opinion on stuff so i hit him up about the moon stuff and he kind of clued me in on some things and i was like okay yeah that's like you know i follow it too like watch the app and he told me what he follows and he doesn't follow it too crazy or whatever so i think that has something to do with that midday summer bite i think it has a big play on those fish yeah jason flesher is another guy who who, Mm -hmm. uh is kind of like gail as far as moon phases and stuff goes he him and i talk a lot and 
he takes it to another realm. Like <laughs> I, I really didn't key in on moon phases until he made a post about it. And I went, it wasn't the night of the full moon. It was like 94%. So it was like either the day before or two days before. And that was the best river fishing I ever had. I caught probably four and a half, five pound smallmouth. I caught like three or four pike. I missed a whole bunch of smallmouth. And then the day before that, I, I caught another big one and I lost a bunch more smallmouth. And so this was the fourth and third, or no, the third and sixth before the full moon. And I was like, holy crap, like maybe, um, I mean, obviously there, there's something to it, but maybe there's more to it than I think, which is, mm-hmm. it's, it's so weird to think that that stuff plays such a huge role. Like not necessarily the temperature, like that makes sense, but the moon phases, yeah. dude, like I've tried to understand it and I just need to break down and buy the, uh, that big bass book that everybody talks about to like, yeah. to, to, I guess to, to find all this information in one spot and kind of retain it because I just read so much stuff and it doesn't stick. If I actually read like on a piece of paper and like mm. go back and read it, it would make more sense. But it's like, holy crap. Like if uh, maybe, maybe I need to not necessarily waste time. Cause like we talked about like fish will, fish will eat when, when the apps and everybody says that the fish aren't going to be, but maybe yeah. it's worth keeping track of this stuff and, and, and planning trips around the moon phases when it's possible. Yeah, I, I definitely think, like like you said, for the average guy, they're just going to go fish when they can fish, and that's what I'd tell them to do. Like, I've caught them when they, you, you know, quote-unquote, shouldn't be catching a decent one. I've had some crazy days on those days. But I, I do think, it, like you said, it relates to it. Like, it, it does have a piece in the puzzle. You know, like, sure, the moon could be right, the water could be right, the fish could be set up, and you don't have the right bait. Or you're throwing 25, and... On, you know, on the whatever the burrito, or you're, or or you should be throwing twenty to make that bait fall faster or slower, like, and that's where, like I said, I get lazy sometimes on that stuff. But when I do key in on it, I capitalize on it. Like, hey, you know, my buddy over here is getting bite after bite, and he's throwing twenty. I'm throwing twenty five. Like, what's you know, what's the difference here? And it's usually opposite. I actually go really light online compared. Like, it probably scare guys if I tell if I told them what I throw. Like, I'm throwing the Hinkle on twenty pound line. Yeah, I mean. I mean I, I I was just like you. I fished braid everything until this year. This year I switched to seventeen, and yep. it's not necessarily heavy. I mean, it's it's a good good uh, good line, and I mean I, I've loved it. But like Marshall, dude, Marshall's fucking crazy. Marshall will fish a TK on twelve pound line. Yeah, I, I, I would on a oh convention, just like a seven two medium heavy, seven yeah. three medium heavy, and a twelve pound yeah. line. Yeah, that's how I am, and and. I have another buddy that's always been like notorious for throwing light line. He's on universe, but he's not like very active. Usually he just buys and sells. But, uh, man, some of the stuff he throws, I was like, that is way too light. Like even conventional, but it's yeah. kind of, it, which he fished a lot of river stuff, which I know you do and you're starting to or whatever, but, and that helps a lot with the river, you know, cutting through water and getting the bait down and presenting it. Right. But yeah, I throw really light, like 20, I mean, I don't have 20 pound, 25 on any of my reels right now. And I have a depths 250 tied on right now. Which Damn. I'll I'll put twenty five on. Like I'm not opposed to it. I don't think it would kill a depth two fifties action at all. But I've thrown it this long. You know what I mean? And like I said, I've only cast it off that Huddleston and the Hinkle that I got back and I had a bad knot on, you know. I think guys just I am good about retying, you know, I am pretty good about that. I retie every I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm out of cast, but like you said, maybe twenty, thirty minutes. Yeah. Or if or I catch when, a big one. Yeah, or when you go over some real real sus stuff like like big boulders or something kind of like ah yeah maybe i should retie the first two feet of my line because it's been rubbing around down there 
Yeah, for sure. Like that's especially me fishing deep around all the rocks I've been around lately, um, and whatnot. Like you know, t- five six casts, or I get it stuck and I pop it out. Check the line, you know, two three feet up. Yeah, for sure. Stuff like uh, that. Do you guys have zebra mussels? Is that a thing in Kentucky? Um, any of this stuff local to here, like that I'm fishing a lot lately. No, I think we have some like in certain lakes. I couldn't tell you like what lake, but like. I haven't been to them if there are like Kentucky Lake. You don't have to pull your boat out and wash it. Like I know Cali guys yeah. deal with that a lot, and I'm sure a lot of the west western stuff like Arizona and whatnot, you know, like that area. I'm sure they deal with that. But luckily, there's not a ton here. I know we have some. I'm pretty sure we have some. But like like I said, Kentucky Lake and all the stuff I'm fishing, there's no zebra mussel issue. Our main issue is Asian carp. Okay. Yeah. So Dude, bad. Zebra mussels. I mean, uh, I've never had to deal with Asian carp much. Like you haven't had to deal with the zebra mussels, but. Dude, zebra mussels, that's that's kind of where, I mean, if you walk on one barefoot, dude, that thing will slice you to high hell. Like, there's some 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 people I know, they've had to go get stitches, like, for walking over walking over a branch that had zebra mussels. I mean, they just cut you to hell. Mm. And yeah, I've heard they're I was nasty. Always, yeah, I was always super cautious because I'm like, I, don't, I, I do not want to. It's one thing to cast a bait off or to lose it to a fish. But mm-hmm. it's also another thing to to get like to run by a dock dock post and your line just like, be snapped like somebody cut it with a knife and like you have no no reaction to it and uh, I, that's why I always fish braid because braid's kind of you you have a lot more fibers there you can get away with being a little bit more uh, fishing around abrasive stuff and I yeah. went home and I fished seventeen pound and I hooked a very big fish and it wrapped me up against a boat boat mm. piling which. If I would have had, if I'd been fishing somewhere that didn't have uh, zebra mussels, I don't think it would have made a difference. But uh, I, it wrapped me up around that boat piling, and I had tension on it for about three seconds, and then just limp rot. I'm like, oh my Man. gosh, rot or the bait fish was gone. I was like, son of a bit. Like, damn, that sucks. Brand new, brand new flea shad from Kyle throwback. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh. I want to try one of those. Of her, they look sick. I've seen obviously Dude, Marshall's yeah. put up a lot of pic, you know, videos of yeah, fish just yep. crushing them, but I've never been able to get on that bite. Like the burn, just like Marshall, like re- you know, reel it as fast as you can. I, I have not got on that before, <laughs> not even with the bullshed. Like all my bullshed bites, which is the main like jointed bait that I throw, um, are just slow. You know, like two, three foot down, or or wherever I think the fish are eating. You know, maybe eight foot outside of a grass line, whatever, and just slow reeling it. I don't know why. I definitely obviously works, but that flea yeah. shed looks sick. I've never got on a burning bite bait, burning bait bite. Like I've caught one or two pike doing it, but never like, like how those guys fish triple trouts and stuff like running them over grass mats and everything. Yeah. And it's funny enough. I got the flea shad and like, nobody told me how to fish it. So like, I, I was just like fishing it like a, how I fish a crank down, like cast it out there. Uh, the flea shad sinks kind of moderate slow. So I'd get on my phone. I, I, uh, scroll through Facebook or something, count, count 20, 30 seconds down and I'd start to reel it in. Mm-hmm. And that bait has like a joint pretty far back in the body. And I know Marshall's talked about it, but it doesn't swim. Like it doesn't swim like the, the bull shad, like where it's got that super S swim. Like, like it's a lot yeah. more subtle. Yeah. It's, and it's Ma- and like I mean, wallow. yeah, yeah. And, and Marshall explained it pretty well. I think I've watched some of the, like, hit, like I said, his cast catches are in other videos or whatnot. Like, it has that real tight S to it, like yeah. real, real tight where the, the, the bullshit has more of the head movement on the front end of it. And I think both yeah. obviously, you know, had their time in place, but he is right about, you know, shad don't make that much movement when they run. They're not a very, 
they don't have a lot of movement to them. Just that back half is just, you know, really, really flickering when they're running away. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to fish this bait. So I fished it slow. Like I'm fishing a Corrado HG. So I'm not like burning it because um, I've just never had much luck working a bait that fast with an HG. So I was reeling it probably a decent speed. And I mean, I was having fish come up and eat it or not eat it, but like follow it and shit. And after I lose that bait, Marshall's like, oh, were you burning it? I'm like, no, like, nobody told me that's what I had to do with the bait. Like, nobody said that's what it was designed for. I don't think it would have made a difference at all because I've never been on a bite like that. And I've had multiple baits to do that with. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, oh, man, I wish I'd have been able to try that. Yeah. And like I said, like, I fish Kentucky Lake, I mean, a decent amount with my my buddy has, you know, big fiberglass and all that. And, and Kentucky Lake, I would call his home lake. He's, he's just always there. He's fished a lot there, has a lot of time there. And he's been on that even. I haven't been with him. He's like you know, burning bull shads past docks. Cause obviously Kentucky lakes, like I think it is the largest lake in, in the United States that has bass in it. Like there's bigger lakes, but it's the biggest one with like bass in it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure okay. it's one. It might be, it might just be us minus. I, I mean, I guess Alaska has a few bass, but they're not natural there or whatever, but it's one it's uh, it, even if it's not, I think it is like including Lake Barkley that, you know, obviously is attached to it. It's like the largest, most acreage or whatever. And so there's docks there for days. Like you could fish a dock every single, you could fish a hundred docks every day and never fish them all. Oh my and gosh. He's been, yeah. And he's been on that bite and I'm like, let's go. And I, I just can't get on it. Like we end up, you know, catching them on a glide or, you know, throwing a jig, flipping our jig around the, you know, dock posts or whatever. So eventually it'll happen, but I'm just not that apt to do it. You know, that's like, if the bullshed's tied on, I'm slow rolling it around some, some cover or something. Yeah. It's a uh, burning bait seems like a very, niche thing to get into like you got to know sorry you got to really know your fish and and know how and when they set up to to do it effectively and you just gotta have some fish that are full of piss and vinegar ready to eat anything it seems like yeah for sure and and my bite especially like i said the last two weeks it's been very very particular and that's why like i would probably even name lakes like like brian was on here like the fish have been caught which is crazy i caught one that had a nice like a big marking on its scales on the side caught one for the tournament it was the same fish but like six days later really same exact way yep same same exact way and even some of those other fish might have been they were only you know high fours like i said nothing massive but they were back to back a lot of those fish could have been the same fish you know so but i think he it holds true like even if you get on my spot like you're not gonna know exactly what i'm doing and exactly how i'm fishing it and even though i gave you the retrieve like there are certain spots like you where you know the cast as it's coming through the bottom or coming through cover. You're like, yeah, this is where I'm, you know, I'm lined up correctly. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, you know, because exactly. I'm fishing without electronics right now, so it's like I'm feeling it out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. What was I gonna say? Um, oh, have you kind of since your Baca inventory is kind of running a little bit low? Have you had to substitute it for a hard bait at all? I mean, that's kind of relative with a troubled bait that's kind of mm-hmm. something hard to to replicate i guess so you've probably just been using those bacas really sparingly and, and using uh what is it the aquatic or what what what's the glue like the oh yeah um shoot i have some on my boat um i know what you're talking about gail pulled it up i, I actually looked it up this week because i was trying to find out what it was it's some special oh, whatever he needs for that silicone oh yeah somebody somebody made a post about it yesterday and and Wayne was like, for people who don't know, why are you saying mend it? Because it's a silicone bait. That'll literally eat it. <laughs> yeah, it's... destroy their bait. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, mend it works on a you... lot, but not silicone. PSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Have have you um, kind of had to doctor up, play surgeon with all those baits to get you by until you can find more, or have mm-hmm. have you kind of figured something else out with any of those other soft baits like line throughs or kind of maybe a hard bait bite too? Yeah, um, I did mix in. Like I said, it's the uh, the three sixteen line through, the uh, six point yeah, seven five. Rising, yeah, the rising, the rising sun. sun. Yeah, that's right. Um, I have a couple of those like in my fish right now, which I don't play too much on color. Like, talk to a lot of people like getting the bait in the right spots more important than color. Like I said earlier, but I have a couple of key colors that I've had in rotation with with the bacas that have gotten bit just so happened more than the others. I mixed in that and I've gotten a few. It was nothing crazy. It seemed like they really wanted that hard kick of the baca and the baca like it falls pretty straight. I mean, if you slack line it, it kind of does the little. 360 tumble like to the bottom but semi slack line like almost pendulum letting it fall and letting that tail just barely kick has been it for me so i've had a few on the 316s i actually had one the tail was dang near ripped in half mended it back together the mend it did phenomenal that stuff's crazy like had a tail ripped like literally almost not even together anymore slapped that on there and i fished it for the next six or seven days and caught a couple on it uh the bacas are actually real tough like most of the ones I lost were either like to a fish itself, like on hook set, um, you know, either bad line or in the rocks or something and popped it. And I've lost, uh, I lost one to a brush pile that I couldn't get back with my bait knocker, but I haven't had a doctor those too much. Most of the stuff that's come off of them has been like chunks, you know, where the bait's still functional, like a section of the tail's missing where a fish grabbed it by the, you know, the, just by the boot tail or, you know, they eat it the, at the head a lot and they've, ripped off the top fin and like are starting to 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 detach the back half of that bait where you know where the harness ends but other than that i haven't really had to do too much surgery on them luckily i was running out like i'm down to my last two and then i have a medium sink left which i mean i I don't know how i wouldn't have been able to fish what i was fishing doing that i was fishing just so deep it would just take forever and i couldn't work the bait you know at the cadence that they wanted it um yeah but, but yeah i've been lucky that like the supply that i did have which Chad Meenan hooked me up like earlier this year because I was going to um, Lake Bacharach. He hooked me up because I planned on fishing them. And luckily I didn't burn through a lot. So I had six or seven sitting back. So yeah, I burned through four or five between losing them and like literally the whole harness, like starting to like move the whole entire bait. I could probably shove some glue in there. But uh, my last one right now, I'll have to send you a picture of it is like mangled. (laughs) It's on its last leg. It needs some attention. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I've I've caught some toothy fish, like dogfish, bowfin, whatever you want to call them. I've caught three of them on uh, on the line through burrito gill, and those fish have some teeth. And I honestly haven't been able to tell. Um, I, I've I fish like the uniques, which are kind of pretty soft plastic, and I mean two fish out of those, and they just they're screwed. Like fishing for yeah. dogfish, obviously it's not that's not a bass, so they're not really what they're made for, but. I'm I'm honestly surprised. Like I, I sent a picture to Gail. I'm like, hey man, like I've caught a bunch of bowfin on this bait and it's completely fine. And I was like, it's it's awesome because I'm not I I can buy two of these baits for the dogfish spawn and I won't be scared about losing them because they just they hold up so well because they are that silicone material. Yeah, I mean you just can't beat that. I mean you might you know, especially in that that specific baits application like the Baca burrito, like even though it's silicone, like, cause some guys don't like silicone. They feel like it's too stiff or whatever. That bait kicks so hard and holds together so well. Like if you're on a deep, bo- you don't have to be deep. I take the, I've took 
that the fast sinks and throwing them up shallow and just reel them like a spinner bait and they get smoked. But it's it's really hard to beat the durability of those baits. Obviously, I love the battle shad for like the grass and whatnot, and uh, the citizen too. I've thrown it a ton. I've only had like I have not been able to hook up on the citizen very well, but regardless, and it's it it's held up pretty well. But the few fish that have hit it, but that silicone is just really nice for durability, especially when you're on a bite like that, like no giants, but just back to back to back, high fours, low fives, stuff like that. It's just gonna hold up. I mean, that's why you know he designed that bait, you know, around Lake Bacharach, which has got. <laughs> I mean, insane fish. That last year we had a guys on a bite um, in November, which is when that ba- that baka bite's really nice. Um, one of the times it is, they had a hundred fish, I think, in one evening. And oh my gosh! If I think I want to say one of the guys made a lost one, but like the original baka, if they didn't lose it, held up through all those fish. And those fish fight so hard. Like I mean, they're like a river smallie or like a a spot from down south. Like they just have so much piss and vinegar in them. Like you say, like. They just, a two pounder dogs you. Like, you don't even know it's a two pounder. You know, if you get the right fish, they're just, they fight so hard. So he definitely did it, did it well when he designed that bait. And it's been a big yeah. tool for me lately. I, I'm like hitting him up, like, I need more. <laughs> Somebody give me some more. And nobody will trade me. I've had some really good trades up on Universe. I get, you know, I mean, that speaks to, I guess, how much people don't want to give them up. Uh, yeah, for sure. At least specific Was, colors. Yeah, exactly. Was there, so, uh, previous previously before before this last two two and a half weeks how what was your confidence like in a soft bait was it like you you weren't scared to fish it but you weren't necessarily gun-ho about it like you didn't show up to the lake with one tied on or have have you always kind of had these lakes figured out for a soft bait bite or at least know it's good for a few uh throughout the season uh i would say it's a little bit of a mixture like like i said the mag draft has always been a staple for me um I fished it some, but like I said, my buddy Austin, I've mentioned a couple of times, he put me on them. Like we got on, we've gotten on bites before. They're just so cool. Like where that was the bait, you know, like this Baca has been, but no, it hasn't always been that big, like arsenal, like the big tool for me in my arsenal. Like I didn't show up tied on a lot with, with one tied on, like maybe a mag draft. Like I said, that was the bait I was comfortable with, but that's still like up shallow. Like I wasn't modding them a lot to get them down. Like I beast hooked one of the eight inch i think before and fished it a while but it just doesn't get down like i wanted it to um so no i think the baka has instilled a lot of confidence in me and the 316 line through in softies like and and those two are good i mean those are those are two staple baits like you got the citizen and the battle shed and and the guys that know how to fish those effectively are insane with it like those baits are awesome not knocking them but for me like the 316 line through the mag draft and the baka I've grown so much confidence in the last two years, and that Baca has always had my number. I haven't been able to get any fish on it, like, consistent. Like you said, he's good for one or two here and there, maybe throwing it like a spinnerbait. But I've really gotten in tune with the deep fishing here in the last two weeks, maybe maybe three. Like, I started throwing it around three weeks ago and then found that hot bite, like, two weeks ago and literally just been riding it every day. Like, I've been off work, so I've just been going every single day. And, like, all these guys <laughs> are seeing me at the ramp, and I'm like... Don't look at my rods, <laughs> like which I mean, like I said, the, most of those guys don't have them tied on. But heck, you could probably take a, you know, the gambler, big easy or whatever, and rig it up somehow to get it down there real deep and start catching them. Like I said, it, it's more about placement, you know. Yeah, but it's which it could, you know, I think I think it is a mixture. The boot tail could have been doing it for me because, like I said, that line through, I can get it down there where the fish were, but they just didn't seem to want that, like, and that's where it shined for me was in and around wood that was deep. 
but it seemed like the only fish I could get to eat the line through were on long tapered like rock points with no no cover, you know, just like steady reeling it, you know, where they're kind of just coming up there and searching or they're already sitting up there looking. And those other fish were more like fish the baka, bounce it off stuff super hard, really aggressive, dragging it through, making a lot of racket and getting bit. So, no, it hasn't always been a confidence thing for me and I've struggled with it a lot. Um, and a guy in universe got me onto the line throughs for 316, just like, man, these things fish so well, they have good movement to them. And, and you get them out of the box, they really do have that like magdrev type, like head roll, good body wobble to them at the right speed. But the difference with those, the line through that 316, the rising sun, it stays down. If you throw it at f and let it sink to 14 feet and you don't change your cadence, it will stay at 14 feet, like almost until it gets to the boat, you know, until your rod tips over top of it. So yeah, I've, yeah, it's, I've gotten a lot, I've gotten a lot more confident in them lately. It's it's odd that uh, soft baits. I mean, soft baits are like a niche thing inside of this niche group. I know I know we toss mm -hmm. around that niche word a lot in every episode, but that's what it is. But it's weird that guys can go out and throw a ten inch glide bait, ten twelve inch glide bait, and then they pick up a soft bait, a, a five six seven inch soft bait, and it's like a foreign language to them. I mean yeah i don't know dude it's it's weird like i've yeah. gotten onto it a little bit but nothing nothing crazy enough like you said like i've i've gone out for a couple summers and it's good for 10 fish throughout the year but it's not anything i grind out or or hop like a jig or anything yeah that's how it kind of was for me like i said up here and there the mag draft has always been a thing for me like the beast hooked weedless version or the standard bottom you know the belly hook or whatever but uh it is niche but i think it it kind of goes back to the because like a lot of guys, even if they have softies sitting in their box, they're going to pick up that glide because they want to watch it swim. You know, it's hard to not watch your bait. Like, and my hinkle bite, I've been on that too. I didn't mention it. And I know you asked me about substituting a glide, but I have been with the hinkle and I have one I weighted down to sink yeah, maybe two foot a second, maybe a little less, maybe a foot a second. But uh, that's been it for me. But I, I don't get any bites if I can see the bait. It's always been six foot down or maybe even more like i'm just i've just been letting it count down you know maybe 10 foot and then just mixtures of retrieves you know depending on what i think the fish are doing or you know if i'm not getting any answers from slow rolling it like i'm going to start chopping it around cover or start you know it's been a really good bait for me and uh it's almost been like the depths too fit it just has that drawing power you know where i go out on a flat or i go out on a hump or something like that and work it through there if they didn't want the soft bait and that's how i've been it's been my cleanup basically behind the soft baits which is honestly the opposite for a lot of guys like i said most guys are fishing docks or fishing laydowns fishing shallow and you see that a lot in universe like bow but like bow getting on that deep bite or deeper bite with the k9 deep cranking it and just grinding it down on the bottom there's not a lot of guys doing that you know because no, they're either they're either fishing shallow because that's what they do like ashton um you know ashton yeah. milan yeah, yeah i was i was just about to bring him up yeah yeah big dude's a hammer i mean he's a good fisherman and he's even said that this year he's like you know him and Bo kind of mingled and they were like he's like yeah i've been working on my graph more and whatnot and finding deeper bites and that guy catches big fish consistent yeah like sevens and, every couple days yeah like, and i mean and deep you know who who knows what deep is relative to him it might be 10 foot or, or five or 12 but um i know for sure he's been catching them you know, not in 20 foot of water, you know? So I think that's just a lot of it is a lot of guys are fishing glides, crank downs that get down to three to five feet or 10 foot max. There's not a lot of, you know, up until recently this summer, there hasn't been a lot of deep cranks. Um, maybe last, you know, BGC came out, has the deep crank. He's had that for a while, but like 
there's not been a ton like the dredger from bullshed came out what in the la- last year yeah yep last gathering I think. yeah so there's just not a lot of baits that were suited to fish deep and like a lot of guys are modding them to do that you know like the hinkle the hinkles are all as far as i know i'm speaking you know i might not be 100 percent right but i think they're all mostly floaters or at least yeah. extra extra slow sink so like mine yeah. i had to mod it to get it down like so that's just the nature of the beast like guys get in they're like oh, i'm just gonna fish it how it comes i'm not gonna wait it to fish it in 15 foot of water nor do i want to because i don't want to lose this 150 bait so yeah i think softies are a big niche and i think they're slept on but for a good reason just because there's a lot of guys out here without electronics too if i hadn't been fishing those lakes for you know since i was a kid that's where i grew up fishing i wouldn't I wouldn't know when to, where to went with the bucket. Like, where do I go? You know, there's, especially the lake I was on or the two, the two or three lakes I've been on. Like there's so much, there's only two, there's almost two, almost too many targets. Excuse me. It's like a, you know, one of the lakes I fish, I'll name it. I didn't catch anything crazy on it. So it doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, South <laughs> Lake, which is not like, no one would know what that is unless they live around here. Um, South Lake, it's like uh, probably 10 acres, 15 acres, something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not good on that. Judging that, but, uh, it has so many stumps. It's like Pickwick. There's so many stumps. Where what stumps do you fish? Which that breaks down into you know what time of year, what the bait's doing, all that. But it's like even when you do that, there's so much of that. Like okay, they're in eight foot. Like I just caught a six off a stump in eight foot of water in a ditch. There's <laughs> fifteen other ditches, you know, and three thousand other stumps in those ditches. Like what, you know what I mean? It's it's really hard to dial that in. So yeah. For sure. There was something I wanted to touch on that you just mentioned about modding baits. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe it's because guys drop the money they do on swim baits, but there's a lot of guys who who buy baits and they go out, they just fish them right out of the package because I don't know if it's maybe because they just don't feel the need to mod them or do anything. But like looking back on it, um Jared from Follow 74, he was talking about how once once those fish and cali started to figure out like a regular hud he's like that's when he started doing red pipe cleaner in the in the gills he'd cut the gills out do the pipe cleaner he he'd beat them up a little bit he'd cut some of the fins and everything and he he would do all these little mods to it and he's like and those fish would fall for it again and i i don't know there's just something to be said to to kind of mess around with a bait do do some stuff whether that be uh, i don't know like you said the hinkle trout or hinkle hinkle shad to take the hinges apart and maybe add some tungsten putty or just do add some heavier hooks or something there's something to be said about modding a bait and those fish are just completely fooled by it again like it's yeah it's so crazy to think about yeah and i think and i mean i'm not like the guru of modding per se i have done it but i've also been throwing swim baits now for like 2014 i think was when I picked up that H2O Express, so so 2014, I've been throwing glides like or swim baits. I got big into it probably probably by 2016 is like when I was like not afraid to throw it, you know, not scared to lose yeah. it. And I was like, you know, tie it on, consider it gone thing type deal. But uh, yeah, I think modding is slept on too. Like I think some guys do it just for fun, um, and then some guys do it out of necessity when they find that specific bite. Like, um. You know, a lot of the guys that are fishing them straight out of the package either don't have a need to mod because they're getting bites or they're afraid to mod it because it's $150 or it's $90 or it's $50. And that's all, you know, that's perfectly, I get that for sure. But I think um, you, the guys you see consistently modding stuff are guys, like you said, that have found that bite. Like, hey, I'm getting them to bite on this point or this hump or this whatever ditch. 
and they stop biting and then it's like okay let me rough the bait up let me blah 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 whatever else to it sink it so i can work it more erratic faster through there without having the bait rise in the water column a lot of the guys that you see heavily modding stuff are guys that are catching you know it's like the guys that are new aren't going to mod because they're like i said either scared because like they don't want to mess the bait up because they spent money on it which is understandable i'm sure you you know worked hard to afford the bait or whatever and that you know there might be guys that want to mod that can't because they don't know how to do it and they're on a bite but i think a lot of the guys i see modding like alec he was on here talking about his his musky and stuff like which he was already tying hooks before all that bite but like he continues to do it because he's found a need for it and it improves his either hookup ratio land ratio getting that fish to bite like with the red feathered treble stuff like that i haven't done a ton you know maybe like modding sink rates modding hooks stuff like that but uh i think a lot of guys should get more into it and just say like screw it you know if you mess the bait up like it's part of the learning process and if you're 20 now trying to throw them and you'll look back at 30 and say ah whatever i screwed up that hundred dollar bait i thought it was the end of the world and now look at me you know like i'm modding baits specific to my bite so i think it is something that needs to be like more divulged info i know a lot of the old guys don't want to give out their stuff and rightfully so but if you're going to get about any information, I w- it would be that, I would think. <laughs> I've learned so much from guys doing that. Like, even now, I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day, like, about modding a uh, Depths 250. Like, I'm still learning. You know, I'm still just experimenting, and that's how it is. It's gonna, it'll be like that till the day I die, you know? Everybody. <laughs> so, I think, I do think guys should do that more and not be afraid to, you know. Yeah, they, exactly. And they don't see the potential. Some of them just are new. Like, I'm like me, and I was new. I didn't think about adding anything to anything but now there's so much information like go hop on swimbait universe and type in huddleston mod and you'll find weights hooks bb rig um you know doing the gills like you said i've done that a ton on the gills adding a little red pipe cleaner like yeah i don't know if it was needed but it makes me feel better and the confidence to me is 99 percent of it honestly yeah exactly like yeah and and and, and trusting your gut like I had that hinkle. I got it back from paint like a week before that bite. Hadn't got to swim it other than I modded it to get it down a little deeper because I knew all my fish were deep, you know, off. They weren't anything shallow. And I just got out there and hucked it around. Like I had dabbled on a hinkle, but it never really did anything with them and smoked them this last two weeks. I had like a 5.11, um, a five, uh, 5, like 14 or 15, like pushing six. Um, and dude, this year has been insane for me just all around. I had. I've had four days this year that have been like insane. Blew my fishing history out of the water. Like earlier this year, I had one on um, back in May, following the moon and whatnot, and uh, feed windows and whatnot. That I, I was dialed right then. Like I'm not even that dialed now. I feel like, and I think I lost one. I don't. I mean, everyone always says, you know, I lost a ten pounder, I lost a nine, but uh, my PB is seven eight for anyone that doesn't know. But uh, I'm sure most don't. But uh, that fish was over 7.8. <laughs> I don't want to speak on it, but it was massive. And the, my 7.8 I caught um, looked huge. You know, it had the softball belly. It wasn't like a long, slim fish. It was fat, fat fish. This fish was, I don't even want to know. I'm probably eight or nine, probably put over nine pounds, I would say. And I had 28 pounds for my best five that day. Oh, my gosh. And, and it wasn't even that. I caught probably 45 fish that day on a 100-yard stretch. Just going back and forth and like changing up retrieves, changing up baits. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And that, that whole week crazy. was like that. Do you think when, I mean, 
there's something to be said that you said you've been fishing this lake for since you were a kid. So you kind of know this lake and obviously you've put together a bite in the last two weeks without any electronics. Do you think uh, is Garmin's live target live scope? Live scope. Yeah. 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 You think live scope? I mean, I don't think it can hurt you at all. Do you think it's going to elevate what you already found out anymore? Or do you think it's just going to kind of show you exactly how these fish are positioned and and why these casts are so effective? Yeah, I think you, I think you kind of nailed it there. Like, on the last half of like just seeing exactly how they're set up, you know, and, and seeing exactly like, I think honestly I could get way more fish out of that right now, even after I beat it for the last two weeks, just strictly on positioning alone. Cause the bite is like I said, so specific on retrieve and position that like, I already know I can catch them, but seeing the fish would, I think it would elevate. Like some people say, and it is true, you know, you end up staring at your screen too much or fishing for fish that aren't going to eat for too long. But I think, and I think most people think that it is a tool, like, it would definitely elevate my game. And that's all I've been telling my buddies, like, Austin, the guy I'm always with, I was just fishing with him, like, three days ago. I was like, man, when live scope, when I get my live scope in, it's on. Like, obviously, you can't make the fish eat if they're not going to eat. Like, I've watched guys go both ways with it. I've watched Austin get live scope, and... I'm one of the guys that have had uh, been around LiveScope but never owned it. Like I have a buddy, um, Joey Nania. He's a he's a pro, but he's like he also guides a lot in the South in Alabama. He's out of Alabama, and uh, I go with him a lot, just like either on a guided thing or just for fun, whatever. And I've known him for a long time now, like probably five or six years. And uh, the dude's a stud with LiveScope, insane. But he's a conventional, obviously. He, he has some swim baits, and I'm always bringing him down there and giving him swim baits, trying to get him into it. <laughs> more you know he's dabbled in it some but uh dude there's just there's fish that you're not gonna be able to catch as effectively at least without it you know what i mean like some of the bites i've been on with him they're suspended fish in a pocket and you know they're sitting uh 18 foot high and 22 foot of water like they're three foot under the surface and they're just hunting they're just eating stuff that comes by because it was a current related lake which makes it a little bit different but uh you know i think it will i don't think it can hurt me I think the only way it could hurt me is keeping my head down too long, but I'm pretty well versed in it as far as without owning it. Like I've spent a lot of time on it without having it. And uh, so I kind of understand the schematics and like, you know, what a 30 yard cast or 30 foot cast look like versus overcasting or missing the fish or whatnot, trying to cast. Cause that can be a challenge. Yeah. Um, it, it's not just as easy as see the fish and fish in a barrel as like all these other guys say, I, you know, <laughs> I think they just want to hate on it, <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll help me a ton. I can't wait for it. Uh, uh, Sherpa Swimbaits, the owner of Sherpa, Sherpa, yep. uh, yeah. saying, I hope I'm saying it right. Or, sorry if I butchered your name, buddy. Me and him <laughs> met in Mexico, and he's coming down in October. And uh, I'm trying to get it dialed and get my live scope in and get it dialed before he comes because he's had nothing good to say about it. So I'm excited for it. <laughs> I think it'll help <laughs> with positioning the fish. Yeah. Like you said, I probably I... know all the brush piles, but you don't know if they're on what side are they on or do they want it over the top? Do they want it? Like you can watch them in real time react to your lure. And that's what helps, yeah, exactly. you know, like, Oh, I burned it through there and none of them looked at it. I was a foot over their head. I cast back in there and bring it over their head. Damn near, you know, hitting the back of their head with the glide. And as I come over the brush pile, I twitch it out of there real fast and they smoke it or whatever, you know, it draws their interest more one or the other. So, yeah, it's, I, I've gotten to fish with it twice and I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. I didn't understand anything. <laughs> we were fishing like any structure. It was more 
kind of open water fishing and I'd have fish wolf pack my TK dead walking it back. And I was like, okay, like that's cool, but I'm just pissed that those fish didn't eat. So like yep. I can, if I had it, it would definitely be target fishing as far as like finding brush piles, finding um, something, finding some kind of structure that's mm-hmm. holding those fish on, whether that be riprap or whatever else. But like you said, the spots I fish up at home, I fish for so long. I kind of have an idea of, of what those fish are going to be set up and doing. And it would definitely help having it, but it's not necessarily a need to, to go out there and catch those fish. Yeah. Yeah. You pretty much just summed up my rant right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. And, yeah. and uh, it's, it's the way I kind of pull from it. Like you were talking about the suspended fish. It's uh, obviously you probably have never gotten to experience it. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners haven't either, but it's kind of like ice fishing. So if you go out and ice fish, like when I was younger, never used to have electronics, didn't have any Markhams or Vexlars or anything. And you go out there, you don't know how deep you're fishing unless you can look down your hole. And even then, like, it's always, it's always the same thing. Drop it down, drop it down all the way to the bottom and, and reel up three cranks. And mm-hmm. so, um, when, when you get a little bit older and, and you buy a fish finder, it's just, obviously it's, it's not the same thing, but to be able to put your fish finder in there and see that you're fishing 17 feet of water and there's um, a school of crappie sitting down seven feet under the ice. It's like, it just gives you a whole new perspective that you yep. never would have gotten to experience before. Like, you know, that's where those fish are. You drop down there, um, give it two jigs, boom, you catch fish and you could catch a limit doing that in a matter of 40 minutes. Whereas if you never had it, you would be catching dinky bluegill for the whole day. You're out there. Like electronics are crazy and, and you don't really realize how good they are until not necessarily you master them, but you, you just, you start to scratch the surface and realize the potential it has in, in upping your fishing game in general. Exactly. And, and like you said, the more time you spend with it and then the more used to you get at looking at what you're seeing, you know, like saying, oh, that's, I mean, if you run live scope at the same depth always, I mean, obviously there's going to be a little bit of play. Like if you're in 30 foot of water and you got it on 15, you know, but like what a, a lot of guys I've seen is the happy medium of, you know, I'm, I know I'm not going to fish any deeper than 30. And I know obviously it runs all the way to zero from that keep it like that as long as you're on that depth like if your bite range is somewhere in that water column it doesn't change the size of the fish so like if you're running it on 10 foot of water and you come up on a school of fish that changes the size of you know what signal you're getting back to your unit and so that's helped me a lot like joey running it at a consistent depth and at least getting an idea of what the fish look like and then once you do that you can start to pick almost the fish like Oh, that one's bigger. And it might not, it might not be able to tell it's 20 inches versus 25, but you can tell, you know, and, and guys see that all the time on YouTube now, like, you know, guys pulling up their live scope and showing you like, those are big, those are small. Like there's so much information out there. You can like Bo said, hop on there, put your head in the book or on, in the front of the screen and sit there and you will like unlock so much stuff. And that's how it's been for me. I'm, like I said, I don't own live scope yet, but capitalizing on all the information out there has made it work better for me when i do get a chance at it you know yeah it's it's super dope um like i like i said i don't know if i actually touched on it with Bo. i i definitely don't think it's cheating because just because you know those fish are there there, no shot that you know that that fish is going to come up and bite xyz Mm -hmm. like you still might have to cycle through stuff unless you've sorry burped unless you've put in the time and you've you've patterned those fish and like like you said you could 
you could see those fish where you're fishing in rip past uh rip past a glide bait through there and nothing and it's not until you start fishing the baka like a jig hopping it up getting it caught yeah. on uh structure and popping it off like yeah. a live scope isn't going to tell you that like you have to go out there and you have to put the pieces together to the puzzle to to see the big picture in all honesty yeah it's just a tool it's just a tool in the box and honestly it'll humble you at showing you how many fish you don't catch <laughs> there's so many fish that I've, you know, like you said, had them shark the TK on the dead walk or, you know, run up right on it and not eat it. I've, I've had probably 200 times the amount of fish I've caught, not eat it just because they're not going to eat it. They come up to it. They see it didn't look right or whatever, you know, there's a billion reasons and, and theories on why they don't eat when they get close, but, and everyone has their own. And I'm sure it's all of those at sometimes and, you know, one specific thing at another, but I think it does humble you. It'll show you that, Hey, so what? You've been catching them on a baka right here for the last two weeks. You bring it through there, and they're not even looking at it. And then you, like you said, pick up a glide or another soft bait and roll it through there and get smoked. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, definitely not um, cheating. Another tool in the box for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess kind of closing it down a little bit. What what's the fall transition look like for you? What what kind of how how does your fishing change in that style from from kind of not necessarily the dog days of summer, but the tail end of summer towards towards when they start to put on their feed bag and they and they get a little bit more active actively eating and stuff yeah so the last two years for fall for me have been like pretty tough as far as that transition period once it gets heavy into fall and they're like on the brink of winter when it starts getting really cold and they're already well into the fall transition or well into the fall swing i've been a lot better but the transition here can be tough like the pressure is just so hard and then the fish are so easy to target once they get up shallow that they really get beat down. And uh, I'm excited this year because I just have so much confidence going into the fall transition to see what I do. But like I said, the last two years have been tough. Um, you know, you got the obvious, all of our, we have tons of shad. Gizzard shad's our main forage. And the stuff I'm fishing or threadfin, one of those two, bluegill. But uh, obviously, you know, all of our shad go pretty shallow or start working towards going shallow. It'll be coming up. Um, and my game plan for so like now this year is just going to be glides and uh, I'm probably going to mix that Bach in a lot up shallow and see what happens. Um, we have a ton of areas where the fish can get up shallow as far as bait and whatnot, pushing back. Like we have a ton of lakes that are connected to even smaller stuff that like you dang near can't even get your boat back into. And when you get further back in it, it deepens out. And a lot of those bigger fish will push up in there before the water levels get real low and uh get back in there with those gizzard shad and just gorge um but they're so tough to catch because they're just keyed in you know it's like getting on a school and they're keyed in on the shad like you could throw every bait in your box and they're just they're so keyed in on that exact forage that you might catch one or two but it's not going to be lights out um so we'll see what happens like i said i, I don't have anything crazy uh planned like i said my last few years have been pretty dry until the fall really gets here and uh the fishing kind of slows down like right when it starts getting cold in the mornings and like a lot of your guys that are just doing it you know every now and again aren't going out anymore because it's too cold in the morning that's when i'm looking to uh get out there and really hopefully hook into them put a hurting on them but we'll see it's been tough yeah been really tough what, what's the kentucky state record it uh just changed back in like 2016 or 17 i want to say it's 14 9 it was 13 8 oh geez and He's uh Oh, you can go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that where it was caught, 
um, I met a friend through Universe. I haven't talked to him in like a year now, but uh, he invited me out first time I ever talked to him. And I went out there and slept in my truck for three days in like the foothills. It was caught in eastern Kentucky in like a okay. six acre lake. Trout stocked. We don't have any trout stockings over here. Like one or two lakes have trout in them, but they're not like crazy, like trout stocked with giant bass. Like you might catch fours and fives, you know. Um, they just yeah. have, they, they they just started it. So, you know, maybe in the five, six, five, six years, they'll be good. But uh, about 50 minutes, 40 minutes or so from where the state record was caught, I was fishing an identical setup lake. Very clear, small, trout stocked. And uh, I watched double digits swim by me, like down the bank. I fished for a nine pounder for like an hour and a half on a bed. They just happened to be on the bed at the time. Um, and it wouldn't eat. Uh, the guy Damn. I was with, yeah, he, he claims, which like I said, everybody claims. And he might have been, who knows. But uh, he said he's lost one like pushing 14, 15 pounds. And I believe it. I mean, I saw a 12, 13 pounder shark like a... 15 inch trout, nine inch, 10 inch trout, something like that, and swallowed it whole. Like, I had one run up on my sly guy trout glide, and the game warden walked over to me and like spooked the fish. It was oh. literally so close. It's clear, crystal clear lake. The game warden walks up to check me right in the middle. Like, this fish is over 10 for sure. I won't even say like 12 or 13 or it was over 10. It wasn't a 10 or 11 pounder. It made that 12 inch glide look like a, a, pen, a number two pencil, but, uh, yeah, she wa he walked up right when I was like had the fish at my feet working the fish and scared him off. Did he so. see the fish? Oh yeah, he was like, "Oh, I'm so he, he didn't see it till at like the fish flashed and rolled <laughs> oh. off the bait and he's like, "Oh, if I just saw that, I would have, you know, I wouldn't have bothered you." And I was like, "That's ah, fine. Like I've been I've been struggling the last 2 days, nothing new." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um I I was going to I was going to actually ask you, do you think um kind of that fall transition period where they get pushed up in that shallow water and they're and like they're chasing, chasing the spawn where it's harder to get those boats in. Do you think there's a potential for a state record? I guess it sounds like you're pretty far north relative to what Kentucky's like. So I'm sure those fish are a little bit different than they are where you were. Um, do you think like it could be broken in the next two or three years in that fall transition period? Or do you think it's kind of a pre-spawn spawn bite that that'll get broken next? Um yeah, I think it could be broken, but I think it's similar. Like a lot of guys, at least like like I said, the immediate local stuff, like Kentucky Lake, even though it's been so bad because of the Asian carp, I, I really yeah. do think that a state record sitting in there. It's just so massive. I don't care if there's 400,000, you know, carp in every, you know, two miles. It's just there's so much water and so much bait. Like a lot of those fish have gotten pushed off like their classic stuff, like Kentucky Lake's a ledge lake, you know, like a lot of the fish have been pushed off of that because there's just mounds of carp. But, uh, yeah, I think in the local lakes here, even the small, all this small stuff I'm fishing, there is for sure. I think it could be broke. I think more so in the spring just because, like that guy, the bro the record was broke in 2016-17 in the spring. He tossed to a four-pounder on a bed with a lizard, and he said, oh. I just seen what I thought was a piece of log from the bottom, like, floating up. It was a 14-9. ate his lizard. He was walking with his kids, like, on Mother's Day, just walking with a spinning rod. I was like, oh, what am God. I out here for? <laughs> With the yeah, that four pounder was four pounder was probably the freaking male locked up. Oh yeah. And, oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. I caught uh, that nine that was on the bed. I, the male that was on it was like three and a half, four, and I caught him and walked him like down the bank, you know, fifty yards or so, and tried to catch her real quick. Not the best, you know, probably frowned upon between <laughs> guys, but I was just trying to have fun. It wasn't like I was, yeah. you know, but were uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah, the fall it could happen, but just judged on how much pressure they get like it's so insane in the fall like everyone's out you know it looks nice outside it feels good and by the tail end of it they're just so beat down 
Like I think I could go in there with swim baits and 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 draw some up that have been beat down, but they're just they've seen so much, you know. It's like day after day, multiple boats on these small bodies of water just pounding them. And there's there's sticks over here that know how to catch them that catch sevens and eights, you know, when they go out. And it's like uh, somebody's gonna run into one. I think it will be. I think that that record won't sit for long, especially as swim baits grow, especially out there in the east where it was caught. Like as swim baits get bigger out there, because those are how they remind me of Cali Lakes, you know, just thirty foot visibility gin clear trout stocked like it, it's primed for a big one bigger than 14.9 for sure a lot of the a lot of the eastern uh side of the state slept on i think the universe has brought it to light but i think it's still <laughs> slept on there's a lot yeah, of giants I mean, in the carolinas and kentucky and i mean there was a like an eight pound smallmouth caught on the ohio river on the like kentucky stretch of it damn i don't even know what our smallest record is but because we just don't have them <laughs> that thick you know they're here and there but there's a lot of good fish here and they're just i mean i'm probably not doing myself any favors by saying that but yeah there's a, there's a lot of good fishing here damn that's crazy yeah Jeez, i our state record what is it like 11 three or something and i don't see that like ever getting broken that was like in like the 40s and it was real weird because uh the guy I can't remember so the guy who kept track of the state records either holds the state record perch or bass and then like his really good friend holds the other one and like there's no picture of these no pictures of these fish or anything so it's like yeah that's really weird so i don't know that, that could honestly be the real state record i'm not sure but it's yeah. always been like it's always been the weird thing that like like these fish are i mean i'm sure they've i'm sure they're they were caught but it's just weird how they're not super documented like every other fish has been <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a lot. Like, I'm surprised a lot of other states' records haven't been broken because you see so many, like, big fish getting put up. But it was just different back then, though, too, you know. There's just a lot less pressure and a lot less fishermen around. And most of those guys were fishing to feed their family or, it, you know, it's like there was there just wasn't a lot of just guys doing it for the trophy hunt aspect of it like there is now. Yeah. So, like, Dale Ho- I looked it up. Our, da- our smallmouth record is, like, 11.15 out of Dale Hollow. Damn. And that's just, like... <laughs> I've been to Dale Hollow. It's been a while, but uh, I think that definitely there could be a fish in there. But they're just—it's loaded always. There's always people there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's going to be one lucky guy that does it. Yeah, my buddies went there uh, one year for spring break, and a couple of their families rented a houseboat, and they didn't catch a single fish while they were out there. It's really hard fishery too. Like it's—it looks so good, and you want to throw swim baits, but it's like. And you could catch them on swims for sure, but it's just so clear and it's different from us. Like all my visibility here, like I'm comfortable in four foot of visibility because I know that fish can see way farther than four feet, but I can still get <laughs> decently close, like where I can still trick him, you know? Yeah. It's a whole different ball game when it's that clear. Yeah. Going back to the state record thing, it's crazy to think because I live 20 minutes from the lake that has a state record bass and I've never heard of that lake being any good for bass fishing uh, since Mm. i moved down here like nobody nobody voluntarily goes and fishes out of this lake and i'm like wow that's somebody somebody caught 11 and a half pounder out of there 70 years ago and nobody will even go touch it now that's it's weird to think about (laughs) yeah we have one like that on that wma i fish um i think a 10 was caught out of it when my dad was younger and it used to be like um one of the top rated like smallest smaller fisheries to like for this next state record which, you know, tens leaps and bounds from 14, nine, that's a whole different fish. But yeah, I, I, like that lake is dead now. Like a five pounder out of there, four pounder out of there is solid. Like you go there and have a little tournament go and like everyone's catching just, you know, 12 inch to two pound fish and that's it. It's just, it's cool how it's different how fisheries change and stuff. 
from different aspects, like whether it be fishing pressure or you know a natural disaster, or whatever changes changes it up or whatever. Yeah, so. it's 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 weird. Fish are weird. Mm-hmm. But is is there anything you wanted to touch on that we kind of skipped over, or anything you want to add anywhere that that we missed out on? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I'm pretty sure anyone that's listening to this probably knows about the gathering. It's obviously going down on September 24th. Um, but I will say, I just looked at it today. I don't want anyone showing up and not being able to get in that it's a $10 cash only entry into it. Just so you know, Yeah, uh, I don't want anyone not getting, you know, not getting to make it in or having to run to an ATM when they got a good spot in line. Uh, so yeah, we'll be, they'll be there like they have been every year. I'm sure everyone that's hearing this has already either been or been planning on it for like the last year. So, and we have the uh, event in Texas next April. Um, yeah. What is that? April 20? I would have to look. I want to say, yeah, I want to say it's somewhere around there, the 24th, something. something like that. Um, but if, if anyone wants to know, obviously it's on Swimbait Universe. Uh, Chad Meenan yeah, posted it up Chad if you guys want to go look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, you guys can follow me. That's where I mainly post is Instagram. I'll accept you on Facebook if anyone for some reason wants to see this random guy's fish pictures. <laughs> but uh, it's just Trey Smith on Facebook and then uh, Trey Smith Fishing on Instagram. And that's pretty much it's pretty much the only places I'm at right now. Uh, Snapchat every now and then gets loaded up, but not very often. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. There's a lot of shit to keep updated, but I'll, uh, I'll link your Instagram and stuff in there, like, like yeah. I do with everybody. So anybody who wants to follow Trey, easy access. Uh, but yeah, like you said, gathering uh, September 24th. If you guys are wanting to go, definitely, definitely make a trip out of it because it's a lot of fun. Even if you don't fish Sunday for the Sunday only tournament, uh, just going out there and getting to shake some hands and, and put some names with the faces and just going out there with a bunch of fishy people and stand under a canopy and, and, and shoot the, shoot the shit with guys. It's uh it's, it's a very cool experience. You, you go home and you're like, man, like I gotta, I gotta Facebook message this guy or talk to him on the phone for the next year before I get to go see him again. It's, it's awesome, dude. I, it's, yep. it's awesome that they've put something together like this and it's always a super fun experience. Everybody's, always super upbeat about it and you get to like i said you get to meet a lot of cool people you get to a lot of meet a lot of cool bait makers and you get the oh. chance at a lot of cool baits make sure like trey said if you're in line friday night at three o'clock in the afternoon that you have ten dollars in your pocket or you're going to be wasting a lot of time <laughs> yep make sure you bring cash and like we're always looking for builders wayne's always looking for guys so if, if you guys got any stuff you've been wanting to show off or or bring out or make a debut of hit wayne up and he'll get you set up and I mean, you're going to be there too. So if anyone, there'll definitely be somebody there to talk fishing about <laughs> along with a oh, lot yeah. of others. <laughs> if you don't ever get to talk fishing, make sure you come out. There'll be plenty of it. Yeah, for sure. I'll have my booth there. Uh, have some, have some stuff for you guys to buy and turn to win some baits. Have, have a prototype product. I've been, been uh, dreaming up for the last couple of weeks that you guys will get to mess around with. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to change about it. Uh, I also, like I said, I'm going to be recording while I'm there, whether it be a bunch of little intros of guys and just shoot the shit with them for five, ten minutes. Uh, probably going to talk to some guys while they sit in line Saturday morning when I get there after I get all set up. But uh, I'm going to be there, and I, I want to talk to anybody who's there because I like talking to people. As you can see, episode 31, <laughs> can't can't make it this far if you don't like talking. But um, I want to thank Trey for coming on, taking time out of his his uh his busy fish schedule like i said the last two mm-hmm. weeks he's been on him so i want to thank you for coming on even though the, the bite is it's eight o'clock so the bite was probably dead a couple hours ago <laughs> yeah it probably just kicked off or started ended you know about an hour ago here we're on we're at seven o'clock here 
Yeah. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. You are an hour behind. Okay. That yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. But I appreciate you having me on, man. I always enjoy talking fishing with other fishy people and it's been good. So. Yeah, dude, for sure. Like I said, I'll leave your Instagram linked, linked to the description of the show. Uh, make sure you guys, if you don't already follow the podcast scales and tails underscore podcast on Instagram, like always make sure you guys give it a five-star rating. If you guys are liking what you're hearing, rate it. Honestly, I don't really care. Like I said, make sure you rate it on your listening platform if you guys have any ideas or you want me to talk to anybody uh specifically just shoot me a pm I'm, they're always open i'm always down to talk with anybody uh especially builders or anybody if, if you guys want to come on and talk just let me know uh like i said rate it follow follow trey on instagram if you guys don't already and uh i will talk to everybody next time thanks guys